Relationships. Good relationships form the best foundation for a healthy society. Copyright 2018. Ariela Araba. Here is an account of my own experience of being in a relationship that did not go so well. I feel I was a crucial party to the events that took place and I acknowledge same in my writing. It was getting tiring trying to rehash my story. So it seemed like a good idea to document my experience to help other people who may have gone through similar situations and experiences. Local paper lady says, I'm helpless after being beaten by husband. The preceding words were seen in a dream I had the night before and formed the basis for my feeling the need to share very personal feelings with the reader as transparently as I can manage. I think DV, domestic violence or domestic abuse, could be suffered by either gender, and that is what makes it such a complex subject or argument, which usually favors the female. Why would a human being, blessed with intelligence, skill, faculties, charm, know-how, and every endowment needed to survive, suddenly feel powerless at the hands of another individual? Are we blaming the right party in a DV situation? What about the perpetrator? Are they also victims of a condition riddled with the inability to articulate their feelings or frustration? Or are they devoid of the skills to communicate to the other party? I think we can agree that by definition, DV is confined to the home or familiar setting otherwise, bullying at work, for example, would come under the umbrella of DV. You can imagine my own shock and my behavior when Hannah Kupalui of All Women's Network, means what it says, asked me to speak at her women's conference last month about a personal finance skills board game I created in 2015. I put it on the speaker stand and proceeded to talk about DV. Who talks about DV instead of money and budgeting skills? Me, I suppose. It was a problem that I felt it was time to talk about and address promptly. No more hush-hush or shush. Well, I could hear the break in my voice so close to me crying as I began to recount some of the daily experiences of that time. I remember having to dial 000s on the phone after I had called a friend on it because I knew he would redial to see who I had been speaking to. I remember having to involve the DV helpline and being found out and threatened straight after. Also, my friend Bosse called me once to ask me where her friend had gone. She said I used to laugh a lot, had fire in my eyes and was full of life. What had happened to me? She wanted to know where the real Ariola had gone, and really wanted her friend back, she stressed. I think that got through to me, in addition to my mum's tears and plea that this was not the life she had hoped I would live. As far as my dad was concerned, he wanted peace, and if that meant taking time apart from the relationship, that was the way to go. I refused to listen for a long time. Why? Maybe I was hoping for some miraculous hit on the head for the ex to come to his senses. I remember his close friend pleading with me to do something to shock Hobby into behaving well. What exactly does that mean? This friend claimed that I had lowered my self-esteem so much the man had little respect for me. Isn't that what wives had to do to make their man feel less intimidated, especially if the former had more life achievements than them? I think in my warped thoughts at the time, I was hoping for a day when he would come to his senses. And me? Didn't I need to come to mine too?
This friend pleaded with me to think about the impact on my three then under five-year-old children. Do it for them, they stressed almost vehemently. I'm not sure how much sleep I had in those days, as I would go over and over in my head, again and again, the pros and cons of exiting the marriage. What would the church say? What would my friends say or think? At this time, most of them had not seen or heard from me, as they had been systematically cut off somehow. I constantly battled with the idea that I had failed and was a failure if I walked out. A trial separation, the first chance of a way out, came in the form of an offer of accommodation in another area. It was an opportunity to start over, to flee violence. Guess what I did? I took back the form and told the officer that I didn't want their offer, and remember the look on their face. Shock. Considering that I had been relentless in seeking help, they could not understand why I had said no. Fear. How would I cope? With three children, the youngest still breastfeeding? How would I provide their basic needs without additional support? So, I went straight back to the same situation I was running from. And it only became worse. Because now, I was subject to more ridicule, taunts, more monitoring, hurtful comments, and increasing criticism. A little bit of jubilation about how I could never survive on my own. And this became my belief for the next few months. Until. Another wake-up call. Not only was I the subject of torrents of verbal abusive language, but I was now stupid because I had decided to embark on a master's degree course in a London university. I remember being told I was not qualified or intelligent enough to get in on merit. I think something in me, with encouragement from a newly acquired friend, gave me the strength to push through with the application and to believe, to begin to dream again of what was possible. Barbara was not only my hairdresser on a few occasions, but a single mom who was coping well. So, it was possible to survive a sole parent existence then, I thought. What kind of relationships do you have? Things happen for a reason. Following many visits to hers, I found a safe place to express my fears and doubts. Only... The visits became quite regular and aroused suspicion, so I'd have to make the excuse that my hair needed doing to go to hers. It was during a visit there I was introduced to this other young lady who was studying medical informatics. That had a nice ring to it and created an excitement in me. I don't think I slept much after this bit of news because it offered me hope of a better future. So, there was a course I could go on to get me out of the house? My excitement faded quickly when I got home and shared the news. I was reprimanded for even considering the course and told they would not take someone like me. What did that even mean? I had a first degree in a health discipline, so why would I not qualify? The mind boggles. Wakbami would echo in my head from time to time. It meant you will kill me in Yoruba, a native Nigerian West African language usually said when someone was pleading that the beating stop or else they would be killed just to make the aggressor stop. So, is it then difficult to understand that growing up in an environment like that, it seemed normal to tolerate physical conversation 
rather than verbal. Without divulging too much, there was a parental separation that spanned years, punctuated with bitterness and pain, denial of access to my mother for years. I think comments about me having more energy, drive, and force in the way I got things done were probably a reflection of growing in a dominant male environment. But the constant criticism, anger at a strange parent, did little for my self-esteem and confidence. So, I think despite a good educational background, I had little emotional maturity to handle adult relationships, let alone romantic-like ones. I remember saying in a conversation to an aunt later that my siblings were forming great relationships and subsequently getting married, whilst I was pursuing higher academic accolades. We moved from the Barbara area, with two children, to another home, only it was up north. It did not get easier then, because I was soon isolated again, with no friends. But I discovered another hairdresser, Rose. She was such a kind lady, and I marveled at her audacious nature. She ran a hairdressing salon with a few workers. She was talking to another customer about how she had to break free from his interference. Her husband had been controlling, wanting to know her every move. So they had to come to some arrangement. They no longer lived together, and she was happier. What? And a Christian? Is that even allowed? Another single mum. Why was I ever running into these types of women? Not long after, I accidentally ran into a school friend who was shocked at how soft and compliant I had become. She told me she remembered how bold, strong, and daring I had been back at school. She concluded that I was hiding something and behaving like an abused wife. Alarm bells were going off in her head as I began to open to talk. She shared how her own ex had run her into debt, beat her, and then left, I think. In any event, she had come to this area to start over. Oh no, not another woman who was managing on her own. Were all these encounters warning signs for me to heed so I could make a decision to choose safety? Where were my mom and dad in all this? They were far away, because in my excitement to show that I didn't want interfering parents, they had been somehow cut off. They did not have a phone number for me. Another story. Anyway, I now had a hairdresser I could talk to, and an old friend from university days. But I still needed good excuses to have access to seeing them. Rose once asked me why I put up with the verbal abuse directed at me at home. I did not have a sane answer for such a soul-searching question, and brushed it off somewhat. It, however, did not stop me thinking that maybe something was wrong with my thinking. In those days, I did not care how I looked or dressed, and I was happy to wear his tops and shirts and leave the house without cosmetic makeup. Attending church services was becoming more of a chore and served occasions to make and create excuses about so many slips. There were more discerning people who noticed things and asked questions about my appearance, my clothing, and moods. Well, I got very good at avoiding conversation and would explain that I had to leave quickly to feed the children or some other convenient lame excuse. Another lady who saw the signs commented on how she had overheard a conversation at her workplace about a mother who had talked sadly of how she was unable to contact her married daughter 
because she did not have a phone number or address for her. And after asking me what my maiden name was, she found it to be a match with this woman's. We began to talk some more, and I later found out that she had been relaying details of my after-church conversation to my mom. How do you explain that kind of coincidence? What events do you think have happened for a reason? What was I thinking? Toxic thoughts. When you hear on a regular basis, you are no good, the power of those words begin to manifest as you meditate on them. They rob you of taking a chance at opportunities that are presented to you. They mistake care from someone for the they're trying to take advantage of me syndrome. It causes mistrust in friendships and ruins or tarnishes relationships around you. It becomes difficult to accept that you actually matter, that you belong to the world and are well-placed to make an impact and do something significant. It fuels fear. Fear of what? All sorts of fear. What I say now is, do it, feeling the fear. And when those voices in your head tell you you are going nowhere and no one cares or loves you, Answer back and say, I am born to win. I am exquisitely and beautifully created and crafted. Isn't that liberating? Pause for a second, please. God is so close, closer than a whisper, and his hands are always outstretched to receive us. Yes, when we grasp the enormity of God's love, it changes us on the inside. It makes life worth living and gives us a strong sense of purpose. Think about it. What is the point in going to work to amass wealth and more wealth, debt upon debt, to prove a point? To who? Who is even watching or scoring? The media, yes, maybe to ensure they have something to print. But seriously, why do some people seem to have nothing but trouble day to day, time and again, to emerge as a champion of a cause? Maybe we are all on a journey to do something significant. How did I get out? I'm glad you ask. Well, after my self-immersed drama, the authorities were called into an almost going nasty discussion, at which point I knew I had to get out. As always, I either said or did something wrong, so there had to be some type of punishment to be inflicted as a warning or deterrent. There were more toxic thoughts and events at home. Do you know how many times I told myself it's your fault, you should behave better, or something like that? Don't upset him. Just give in and do what he says. I would continually give in, but not realize I was also giving away my own self-worth and dignity. I was trading my worth for the acceptance of someone else. Tragic mistake. This is not about feminism or fighting for equal rights with the genders but about my basic human rights and personal need for psychological space, as it were. It took so long to realize I did not have to work to gain someone's love. I'm so thankful for the friends who spoke into my life and helped bring me out. It was a friend's husband, Alex, who also contributed to dissolving the confusing thoughts going through my mind when he said something along the lines of, Do you think no one will want you if you leave? Honestly, I don't think I had thought that far. But he had a point. Alex made a valid argument. What was the real reason why I found it so hard to walk away or get out of this situation? The Christian outlook I had embraced 
was that of God hating divorce. Yes, I saw that. But did he permit this way of suffering too? Also, the warped idea that I had laid this bed and I had to die in it was very alive in my head. Where did it come from? What kind of thoughts do you need to change?